All right. Well, how's everybody doing? Good. Not bad. Week four of Renovate. Um, so excited about tonight. It's a five-week series. Uh, so we have one more um, talk in this series, and then we're moving on. But next week, we have a special guest. Um, his name's Chip Ingram, and we're having a special night here for Renovate. And he's a pastor in California. He's got a national radio show. I've read a few of his books. They're, they're phenomenal. He's, he's an awesome guy. And our church has chosen for Renovate to be the platform to bring him in to talk about his new book, which is called Culture Shock. So he'll be selling this book on Wednesday night, but he's going to talk to us about uh, biblical response to today's most divisive issues. So next week we're going to meet over here, we're going to have food as we normally do, and then we're going to head over to the main sanctuary, and we're going to invite the whole church to renovate, and Chip Ingram is going to share a message on his new book. So I encourage you to be there. The week after that we're going to finish up the Renovate series. And then we're starting a new series called Between Black and White, The Gray Areas of the Christian Life. And so there are a lot of gray areas, but we're going to be touching on alcohol and dating, uh, social media, entertainment, you know, movies and music and things like that. So I'm really excited about uh, the next series coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. But let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to pray and then we'll get rolling. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for um, Renovate. I thank you for this vision that you've given us. I thank you that it's become a reality. I thank you that um, you're ministering to people through this ministry. And Lord, tonight I pray that you would just bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would use me to speak to those who are here tonight and give them eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not proud of this, but just a few years ago I was a pew sitter. Um, I wasn't involved in my church, I wasn't involved in my community, in the city, and I wasn't growing in my walk with God, and that was just a few years ago, which is kind of embarrassing considering I'm a pastor. Uh, my wife and I moved back to Fort Worth in 2009, and it was the first time in five years that I hadn't been working for a church. And so ever since 2004, I was serving in a church in some capacity, um, I started out as a youth pastor at a little church in Zawale, Louisiana. Anybody heard of Zawale, Louisiana? Wow, nobody. It's not Africa, it's Louisiana. And, uh, and I was a youth pastor there, and then I was a college pastor, and worked with a children's ministry for a while. But for five years, I was uh, paid to show up on Sunday and show up on Wednesday night, and, and it was just set in my mind that I was going to be there and, and be involved. But when we moved back to Fort Worth, all of a sudden, I'm at seminary. We decided to come back to Fort Worth so I could go to Southwestern. And so I'm studying for a Master's of Divinity, and I'm sitting in the pews not doing anything. And my, my faith was, was drying up. It was, a, it was a terrible feeling, and it wasn't that long ago. And see, what had happened was is we fell into a when-then mindset. Have you all ever heard of the when-then mindset? Let me give you a little example of what that sounds like. When we first moved back to Fort Worth, we were staying with my parents. Um, I thought that was going to be one or two weeks. It turned out to be four months. Uh, it was hard to find a job. And so we were thinking, when, when we find a place to live, then we'll start building relationships and inviting people over to the house. Because we don't want to invite them over to my parents' house when I'm 28, 29 years old and married. My wife's a saint for doing that for four months. Um, we, we fell into the mentality of, when I finished Turbo Greek, that first summer I had Greek, 
when I finish Greek, then we can start getting plugged in and start searching for a church and, and, and let's finish this and then we'll work on that. We, we finally moved into an apartment and I got a job and instead of one job, I got three jobs. So then it was when I get it down to one job that can pay enough for us to support our lives, then we'll start really plugging in and getting involved in the ministry. And it just kept happening over and over and over. It was when, then we'll start serving in the ministry. And my faith was drying up. I became lazy. I became self-centered. And I, I lacked initiative. All the while I'm training to be a pastor in seminary. Because of this when-then mindset. And I think it's safe to say that many of you in this room have experienced the when-then mindset. Or maybe you're in that right now. Um, at your age, you're... You're transitioning all the time. Uh, you're just out of college, and for some of you, you just got to Fort Worth. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'd love to serve. I'd, I'd love to get involved with a church. I'd love to get plugged in. But when, when I get settled in, then I'm going to do the things that I know I should be doing in the church and do the things that I know I should be doing in the city. But just not right now. I need to focus on myself. Some of you at school, you're in graduate school, you're in medical school, you're in nursing school, and you know for a fact that you're only going to be here for a short amount of time before you graduate. might be next year, it might be six months, it might be two years, but because you don't think you're going to be here long term, you think, I, I'm not going to go all in now. When I get my degree, and then when I find where God wants me to be long term, then I'll start focusing on ministry. Until then, I'm just going to dabble with some different ministries and dabble with different churches and just kind of take, take, take. But I just don't have time right now to go all in. Some of you, it's relationships. You've, you've found the guy, you've found the girl, and uh, things are going really well. And the engagement is, is coming, or the engagement is here And now, all of a sudden, you have a lot of things that you have to plan. You have the wedding, you have the honeymoon, you have... You have responsibilities, and what a perfect time to say, you know, Lord, I need to focus on myself right now, but when we get married and after the honeymoon and we move into our new place, then we, we really want to get involved with this ministry and this ministry, but, but just not right now. It's a when-then mindset. Some of you, it's money. I don't have enough money. I'd love to give to this ministry, but, but not quite yet, but when I get more, then I'll start giving to the ministry and sadly, some of you just don't like Texas. I, I, I don't know why, but you think, I, I don't want to be in Texas. I want to be with the mountains or on the beach. And so as soon as I can, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going back home to California. I'm going back home to the East Coast. So when I get back to where I want to be, then I'll start serving. It's the win-then mindset. And I guarantee you, most of you have experienced that at some point in time. And so what do we do about this? What does, what does God think about this? And the good news is we're, we're not the first people to struggle with the when-then mindset, the when-then thinking. We see it all over Scripture. But I want to look at God's response, response to this kind of thinking in Jeremiah 29. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah 29, verse 4. And if you don't, we'll have it up on the screen. But what I want to do is just briefly give you a quick context of this passage and then I just want to walk you through it. And I'm going to point out a few things. And I want you to see how God responds to this mentality. So Jeremiah 29, what had happened before, we see it in, in chapters 26, 27, and 28. The Israelites had been 
captured by the Babylonians. And Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And so he went into Jerusalem and he, and he took a large population of Israelites back to Babylon with him and they were in exile. That's what the Bible says. So they were ripped away from their home and taken to a pagan city uh, to, to live under a pagan king and they were oppressed, they were persecuted and they were in exile and some false prophets came along and they kind of rose up and said, hey guys, don't, don't settle in, God's going to deliver you really quickly. So I, I, know you're, I know you're there in Babylon, but, but don't, don't settle in. You're going to be gone in no time. And so I'm sure I can, I can just see them excited that, thank goodness, God's going to deliver us and we don't have to be here for very long. But unfortunately, the, the prophets that were saying that were not true prophets and they were punished for that. You can read it in the passage. And so God sent a true prophet, Jeremiah. And he sent a letter with Jeremiah and they sent it to the exiles in Babylon, and God had some news for them. And here's what God said, and I want to walk you through this passage. Verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent. Who, who sent them to Babylon? Was it Nebuchadnezzar? What did the passage say? Yeah, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent. And so even right there off the bat, this, this letter is being read to all the exiles, priests, priests and elders and the people. And God said, I sent you there. I want you there for a reason. You're, you're not there because I forgot about you and I wasn't thinking about you and I looked up and, oh my goodness, where did my people go? I sent you there for a purpose. And right off the bat, God wants to encourage them and say, you are there for a reason. And I know some of you in here tonight don't know why you're in Fort Worth, maybe don't want to be in Fort Worth, but God has brought you here for a reason because God is sovereign over all things. He is completely in control and He knows what He's doing and He places His people in different places all over the world and He's chosen to place you right here, right now, in this place, in this city for a purpose. And so what a comforting thought for the people of Israel, to know that God had not forgotten about them. And so it says, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then he, he goes into a, a, a few things that I want to discuss. In verse 5 it says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. So, so God is saying, you're not going anywhere anytime soon, so I want you to put down your roots. I want you to forget about leaving this place that you don't want to be, and I want you to focus on living your life in the present. I want you to start relationships. I want you to build friendships. I want you to, to get engaged and get married and to have kids and to put your roots down and to build houses and to live there and to work there. That's what God is saying to his people, the Israelites, in a pagan land where they were taken captive. He's saying, put your roots down. I know what I'm doing. I know you're there. So live in the present. Live in the present. And so I think, I think for some of you, you're so focused on where you want to be in the future that you're forgetting that God wants you to live in the present. 
God wants you to look across the cubicle at work and actually build relationships with the people you work with. God wants you to pursue that gal or that guy who you like, but you're afraid to, to get committed to them because you think you might be gone soon. You have no intentions of being here. God wants you to live in the present, just like he said here in verse 5 and 6. And then he says something interesting in verse 7. He says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. The, the word welfare in Hebrew is shalom. That's how we translated that word. And shalom means peace. And we throw around peace all the time, but, but shalom is much deeper than our English word peace or welfare. It's not just a lack of conflict. It's, it's human flourishing. It's not just the absence of evil and conflict. It's the presence of of people thriving and flourishing in their jobs and their families and politics in the city. God desired for Babylon to be flourishing because of his people in that city. So God sent his people into a pagan city so that that city would flourish and have peace and have hope and that God wanted his people to go into that city and work and, and, and build relationships and and bring his truth into that city. It's amazing. God wants us to do the same today. I, I can't imagine what the Israelites were thinking when this letter is being read and, and they're hearing God say, I want you to help this city become better. And they're thinking, what in the world? These people just took us from our homes, the place that we love where the temple of God is that we used to go worship all the time and they've ripped us out of our place and you want us to do good for this city? And so for us as believers today, there, there's many different ways that we've related to the cities, the cultures that we've lived in. Uh, one way is a lot of Christians want to build up kind of a wall to keep the big bad city out. Y'all probably seen ministries and churches like that. I've been in a church like that. And you spend all your time just building up walls, putting up walls for your children and for, for everything because everything outside of the church is evil. Politics, the arts, the sciences, everything in a culture is evil. So we're going to create our own little subculture. We're going to separate. And so these people are masters at speaking the truth. They love to speak the truth, but they have no love for people. They're completely inward focused and they have no vision for how they can reach the city that God has placed them in. They have no understanding of what God has them there for. God does not put us in the cities that he's put us in so that we'll build up walls and keep the city out. He puts us in these cities so that we will go into the city with the truth and with love so that we can change people's lives. It's the renovation project that we've talked about these last few weeks. And that's what God wants. The second way that Christians relate to the culture is they'll um, eventually have no distinction from the culture. They love the culture, but they love the culture so much that they become like the culture. And so you can't even tell a difference between the Christian and the non-Christian as they're standing next to each other. If you watch their lives for a month, you wouldn't be able to tell any difference. So they're really high on the love scale, but they have no truth. They've lost their saltiness, as the Bible says. We're to be salt and light in the culture. We're to be light in the midst of darkness. And they've just become darkness. 
They're, they're living with their girlfriend. They're going out getting hammered on the weekends and partying. And, you know, they're, they're wasting inordinate amounts of time just playing video games and, and just wasting their life when God is calling them to impact their city. But you can't impact the city if you don't have truth to give to the city. You can't impact where God has placed you if you have nothing to offer, if you just become like them. And so we see it all the time. A lot of Christians and a lot of ministries become just like the culture that they're in. There's no distinction. There's no salt. There's no light. The third way is to be in but not of the culture. Be in but not of the city. These believers have been able to hold that difficult tension between truth and love. They speak the truth in love. They don't just lift up truth and no love. They don't just lift up love with no truth. They speak the truth in love. They've, they've bought into the vision that God has for them, that He's placed them in this city, that they might be a light and that they might influence the city and seek the, the welfare and, and flourishing of that city by getting jobs, by, by talking with their neighbors and inviting them over for dinner, by by going to the activities in the city, by being involved in, in the politics of the city, they've just completely bought into this concept of God has placed me here, He wants me here, and He wants to use me to make an impact in the city. Not to be like it, not to be against it. And I think many of you have seen the differences in these three approaches. And what I love about the church that I serve is that I believe, and I've worked at several churches that we have done an amazing job of holding that tension. As we enter this fall campaign at Christ Chapel, you're going to hear numerous opportunities of how you can serve in the city of Fort Worth. We, we partner with so many different ministries, it's shocking. I've never seen a church that's bought into this concept of in but not of like Christ Chapel. And that was one of the things that attracted my wife and I to this church was we don't compromise the truth. We still are distinct from the culture, but we're preaching truth in love to the culture and we're serving the culture. Another example, example is Tim Keller. He's got a church in downtown Manhattan, New York. And he's reaching young 20-something and 30-something businessmen and women. And, and he is a light in Manhattan, New York, because he preaches the truth, but he loves his city. He serves his city. And so the last part of uh, this verse, verse 7, it also says to pray to the Lord on its behalf, the city's behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Isn't that interesting? God says when you pray for the city's welfare, you're actually praying for your welfare as well. So when you pray that the city flourishes, guess what? Your church will flourish too, and you will flourish. And so God has created this reciprocal relationship where when we pray for the city, we are blessed as well. It's an amazing thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says a similar thing. He says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul says the same thing. As Christians, we need to be praying and loving our city and seeking that 
everyone in the city would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. And of course, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in Fort Worth. That's the mentality we have to have. And so, here's the big idea. What, What I think God is saying to us tonight is to stop waiting and start serving. I think what God is saying is that we need to stop waiting for the perfect situation or the perfect place or the perfect amount of money or the perfect job and start serving right now. He wants us to get off the bench and get to work. He wants us to get off the sidelines, find out where our passions and our gifts are and start serving the city and making an impact. That's what God is calling us to do. And yet so often, like me several years ago, we sit in the pews and we just receive. We just take, we take, we take. We, we have this selfish mindset when God's saying, if only you knew why I've put you here. I have so much more in store for you if you will just buy into this concept of stop waiting and start serving right now. Trust me, we, we have two kids now since we moved here in 2009. We've got two kids Things do not get easier. Okay? Five years from now, it's not going to be any easier to start serving than it is right now. And so God's saying, stop waiting and start serving. So, how do we do that? And so I want to mix it up a little bit tonight. Um, I want to give you a visual aid to be a reminder for this next month. So, guys, if y'all could pass out. um, it's, It's a little towel. Okay? Now, why on earth are you passing out a little towel? Well, this towel represents a life of service. This towel represents this concept, this idea we've been talking about, about stop waiting and start serving today. This this towel that I'm passing out represents our Savior's life of service and our desire to follow His example. So, any of you all familiar with the Savior's service and the towel? Does that ring a bell? Do you remember on the, the, the night when he was betrayed, he gathered all his disciples together? It's one of my favorite passages in John 13. And it says in verse 4 that Jesus laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now picture this. The creator of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, the one who created all things, entered this world and became a servant to this world, and he began to serve and accomplish his mission. On the last night before he was betrayed, he took up a towel, and he served the disciples that were with him. And so it goes on, he began to wash the disciples' filthy, dirty feet. You know, they wore sandals, and I can just imagine how filthy that is. Normally they have a servant do that. Well, this night, Jesus got on his hands and knees, took this towel... And washed his disciples' feet. And they couldn't believe it. They didn't know what to do with that. And so he said in verse 14. If I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. That you also should do just as I have done to you. And so what I want you to do. Is just for the month of September. After that you can burn it. You can you know, put it under your sink. And use it to clean things. Although it's probably too small for that. You can do whatever you want with it. But for this month, I want you to consider putting that in a place that you will frequently see it. In your bathroom, on your nightstand, on your um, kitchen counter, in your car, in your purse. And and every time... Man, this fly is killing me. Um, Get out of here! Um, 
Every time you see that little towel, I want you to think about what we talked about. How God is saying, stop waiting and start serving. And think about the fact that the creator of the universe has modeled that, has lived that as an example for us to serve where God has us right now. I don't care if you're leaving next week. I don't care if you're only here for six months and you know for a fact that you're leaving six months from now. I I really don't care. Because what I think God is doing is God is saying, start serving right now. Let me worry about when you leave and where you go. Start serving right now. So um, second thing we've done is I've brought in our local outreach pastor, Lance Cashin. Um, Great guy. He's got a heart for local outreach. And so outside in the lobby, we've got a local outreach table. And so I want to highlight just a few ministries that we're partnering with in the city of Fort Worth that I want to challenge you as we worship and close this service to think about, Lord, what do you want me to do right now? Where do you want me to serve right now? And I want you to consider going out there and talking with Lance and looking at some of the options. But one of them is, it's called Burn Ministries, and it's in Como. It's one of the bad neighborhoods in Fort Worth, um, over on the west side of Fort Worth. And I am about to karate chop this fly. (laughs) I made contact with it. Um... (laughs) Where's Mr. Miyagi when you need him? So Terrence Butler heads up this ministry called Burn Ministries. And essentially it's discipleship ministries for young men who don't have fathers in the home. And so we partner with this ministry. We, we serve this ministry. We give them resources. We give them our people. And so I want you to go out there and talk to Lance and think about joining that ministry for one month. Give it a shot. See what happens. Another initiative we have is called Serve Our Schools. And it's an initiative we're doing this fall. Um, the focus is teaching first graders to read, mentoring, assisting teachers. Um, you need, let's see, service type, need 10 to 15 adults to serve one hour per week in our schools. One hour a week to love on and pour into first grade kids, helping them learn how to read in really difficult schools. Um, we have that option. And then Beautiful Feet is another one that we've already partnered with in Life Stage 2. And um, in October, we have a ton of opportunities with Beautiful Feet in a variety of different ways. And so that's a great ministry to get involved with. And then lastly, some of you, some of you may have a, a dream of your own ministry that you've been kind of um, considering and thinking about and, and you know, throwing out with your friends. What do you think about this? But, but you've waited. You know, you've put it off and said, I could never do that. I don't even know where to begin. But you have this seed of an idea that you can um, serve a particular group of people in Fort Worth. Well, guess what? One of our other ministries is called The Net. And we work with um, uh, sex trafficking victims and homeless people. And guess where that ministry started? With a young woman in our college ministry here at Christ Chapel. She had an idea about how to serve the city of Fort Worth. She came to our leadership at Christ Chapel and we said, Hey, we'll come alongside you. We'll, we'll give you money. We'll give you resources. We'll help you get this thing off the ground. And, and after four or five years, she, this ministry is by itself. It's, it's fully functioning. It's self-sustaining. And we helped launch that ministry because this one girl had a vision of how she could stop waiting and start serving her city. And so I just want to challenge you to, to think about as we worship, how can I get involved? Where can I get involved? Lord, 
I'm sorry that I've waited. I know that now's the time. What do you want me to get involved with? Go out there and talk with Lance and see where he wants you to be. And when you look at that towel for this month, ask that question every time you see it. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to to bring uh, flourishment to the city of Fort Worth? How do you want me to use my gifts and abilities and resources to help better your kingdom and bring your kingdom into the city of Fort Worth. Can you imagine what that would look like if a large group of us bought into this idea of stop waiting and start serving? Can you imagine what that would look like if just this one ministry began to buy into that idea? I think it would be amazing. And it's my prayer that God would help us to overcome the temptation to think when then. And may God help us to renovate the city of Fort Worth. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you um, have a desire to use us. You have no desire for us to just sit in the pews and just hear teaching once a week and then go home and live for ourselves. That's not what you have called us to. You've called us to so much greater things. And you've called us to be your change agents in the city of Fort Worth. I don't know how long we're going to be here, any of us. It could be six months. It could be the rest of our lives. But Lord, I pray that you would just build a hunger and a passion and a desire to make an impact right where we are and to live in the present to your glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.